welcome back to Think Better Soon. The Positive Podcast. I'm Jason Noon along with J.P. Brackley. And J.P., tell me what we're here to talk about today. We are here to talk about whether you are a diminisher or whether you are a multiplier. With people That's right. I got to meet the, the author, uh, Liz Wiseman. She is a fantastic presenter. She was a guest speaker at the conference that I went to in Salt Lake City, Utah. And um, I just absolutely adored this message that she has presented on being a multiplier, JP. They had an multiplier. image. A diminisher, and they had a picture of a brain that was just kind of stagnant. And then multiplier, they had a, a image of a brain that just had all kinds of electricity around it, right? Mm, very nice. It was a pretty cool idea. And I want to go back to a quote that we talked about when we were talking about a Calvin Bradley Jr.-esque yes. quote. And that okay. is, every production of genius must start with the uh, production of enthusiasm. Mm. So I mm. think that quote's great because – what this multiplier book really is all about is about uh, un unleashing the the genius of your team. Yeah. And getting the most out of them and not just getting the most out of them, but getting the most out of them because they want to give it to you. She told a story from uh, years past in world politics where someone met with two world leaders and we'll leave the first one unnamed. He was a genius. He knew it all. He was a tyrant. Um, didn't need anybody's input. And uh, the other leader was Benjamin Disraeli, and he was operating as a genius maker. So he was someone that was asking questions, um, really trying to pull the best from his team to, to be able to make the best decisions they can make. And no, no doubt which one was the better leadership style, JP. Yeah, I'm sure the maker, the genius maker was, was much better than the other one. <laughs> well, on the topic of thinking better. That's right. Uh, the, the big question we're posing here, JP, is how do we get the most out of everyone who we work with? Yeah, and, and I even think this uh, goes uh, – it expands out further. You know, I'm thinking of like with my youth group, how can I help the students? How can I help them get to, to, to maximize their potential? How can I help the youth leaders that help out? How can I help them maximize their potential? You know, at work, people that either work under me or people that I work with. How can I maximize their potential? Because the real issue that we're dealing with here is that there's a lot of underutilized uh, folks out there. There is always more talent in the room than we realize. More talent in the room. And, and there are, 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 are I mean, the, the, the results that we could achieve by getting everybody involved, we would probably be shocked at just how great our accomplishments could be. And we hear about burnout, you know, from working too hard. But what it really comes down to is is not making enough of an impact. I think when people feel insignificant, JP, when their when their uh, talents and skills are not uh, showcased by their leaders, then you just don't get much out of them. You know, because I heard somebody say it's a lot of work to act this stupid. <laughs> people people have something to contribute, JP. They do. They do. Yeah, and really I think, do. you know, the, the way the way I think about this, uh, I also think, uh, you know, we as individuals think that there is one surefire way to get something accomplished. But I think as we expand our understanding, we're learning that there are so many more different ways that you can you can skin a cat. And the more the more people you involve and the more ways we learn, we can we can uh, find more ways to be successful. Every story typically has a antagonist and a protagonist. 
Which would you like to talk about first, the antagonist or the protagonist? Well, I would think the let's, – let's start with the idiot. Let's go with the antagonist. That's the one we were going to go with no matter what your answer was, but I did oh. want to ask who was next on the list. Let's talk about diminishing leadership, JP. And I don't know if you yeah. have the uh, notes in front of you, but I some didn't. words to describe that person would be? Well, arrogant. Yeah. A uh, person that lacks trust. Yeah, hoards information. Yeah, they um... – you know, they, they are the do it all by themselves type of person, you know, they, they feel, yeah, they, um, they, they, they feel like it's okay. If there's a problem, I'm just gonna have to step in and do it versus saying, Hey, let's, let's find out why you're unable to do this. And let's, let's take time to, well, they have all the power. Out. So if they have all the power, it must make them the smartest person in the room and can turn them into a little bit of a bully. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we've all interacted with people like that in our lifetime, diminishers, you know, oh, yeah. uh, there's even diminishers out there that are trying to be helpful. But they don't have confidence, and so they're just—they're like Michael Scott. You know, Michael Scott was probably the the best uh, example of a of an accidental diminisher. But because uh, people come to work wanting to contribute, you know, yeah. um, and I think that we got to help them have fun and find ways to contribute and operate at their fullest capacity they can. And that brings us to the uh, to the protagonist, and that's a multiplier leader. JP, what are some attributes of that that person? He is a, or he or she, they are a, a curious person. They're curious. They're able to get knowledge out of the team. Mm -hmm. They empower. Yeah, they're team. humble. Yeah. They're, they, they trust people. They believe in people. They care about your development. They, uh, they read the nonverbals. You know, they pay attention to how people are acting whenever something's, uh, going around. Yeah. So, so, uh, uh, multiplier leader, they're reading the room. They're reading your yeah. nonverbals because I think 80% of what we say, we say with our body language. And um, I would say a diminisher probably is not, doesn't really care about your body language. You know, they're there to develop you. They're there to make you feel confident. They're there to let you know screw ups do not define you. Um, what else, JP? Well, they, um, they, they encourage people, letting them know that, hey, this is all working in your favor. Whatever happens here is, is going to be okay. Um, and, and they recognize that everybody is a part of the team. Everybody has a, a role. Everybody is going to contribute towards success. One area that I need to work on in that category is this idea that a lot of the best thinking bubbles up from the bottom. So um, you never know where some of the best ideas may come from, and they're not all going to come from you. Uh, I try to be pliable, you know, um, in that situation of I may have a desire to get to an outcome, but I want to be open-minded and realize I may not have the answers. We know that most of my ideas are bad, but that's okay because some of them are good. Uh, one thing that, that the, the author talked about during the presentation was she's working on her next book is studying the effects of someone's first boss. And then we went through an exercise of thinking of diminishers in our life and, uh, multipliers in our life. And what it, what the numbers came down to were you tended to get about 40% out of someone when you were diminishing them and you got over 90% of somebody's uh, abilities and efforts and uh, attention when you encourage them. Man, that's a, that's a big difference. <laughs> well, you know, a multiplier, they believe in you. They believe that you can help them grow. And uh, this is really important, JP. And this is something that I think we try to do with our children. Hey, you're smart and you'll figure it out. <laughs> I remember Andrea, you know, when she was little, coming off of her bicycle and ripping her knees off uh, on the pavement. And uh, it's just a beautiful thing, you know.
I mean, yeah. you know, you're going to get scarred up from it. You know, it probably hurts like crazy. Oh yeah. But, uh, but you know, it's good. It's good to get out there and grow, right? You're smart. You're tough. Yeah. You know, that, that's something that it has taken me too long to embrace with my kids. I think I have, I have failed to look at them and think they're smart. They're going to figure this out. I, I, I was probably more of a diminisher as a parent whenever it came to certain situations that they were dealing with. But, you know, now I, I am kind of embracing that, Hey, you know what? My kids are smart. They're going to figure this out. I can, I can kind of set up bumpers and give them some guidelines, but you know, they, they, they've got a good head on their shoulders. They don't need Absolutely. me to, to throw too much at them. You're probably being a little hard on yourself, but no, I think we've all struggled with that where we try to protect our kids or try to, you know, do certain things for them versus just letting them do it themselves. Mm -hmm. So one thing that a multiplier, we're going to spend most of our time talking about multipliers, I hope, although diminishers may sneak in, but they really try to determine what each person is brilliant at. You know, what can they do best? Yeah. And that I think is, that is a major key from just, you have to really be aware. You have to really pay attention know who you are are teamed up with so that you can really figure out their strengths and their weaknesses and really play to the strengths. Well, um, in the book, she talks about uh, Magic Johnson. And when mm -hmm. he was in high school, he was such a prodigy, 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 prodigy. I want to say prodigy and prodigy at the same time. So we'll say prodigy. He was amazing, amazing basketball player. And the coach had this strategy. And, and, and Lillard talked about it about a year ago, you know, it results over the process. And he said, look, just shoot it all the time. Just Give if you got the ball. ball, shoot it. They're winning all these games. Mm -hmm. The players are okay. Cause they're winning, but magic is leaving the gym one night. And what does he notice? <laughs> the parents aren't happy. <laughs> no, they the parents are not seeing play. little Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> He's not, Johnny's not getting anything in his stat line. Mm -mm. What no. happened then? You know, magic being the leader that he was, he said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to start getting my team involved. And he raised their play. He began passing to them, helping them uh, get in, get themselves into a position where they could be successful. Magic and, is a great example of a talent you know, magnet. He did. Yeah. And he put, he put people to where he got, he got more out of people and, and the more he got, the better off they were. Well, and, and the three main things with people like Magic who can bring teams together and maximize their collective talents is be on the lookout. You know, look for talent everywhere. Mm. What else, JP? Uh, debate, don't dictate. Yeah, that's right. Uh, ask questions. You know, we, and we may talk about that here in a second because we have some other notes on, on that or I can go ahead and flip yeah. to it. Um, if yeah. I flip over to that. Uh, the debate maker versus the decision maker. The book said that it's important to carefully present the issue, to set the table, so to speak, right? Yeah. And then what yeah. do you got to do? Uh, well, I don't know. You tell me. You're the Let them debate. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> and you said something when you and I were putting this episode together. You said yeah. you don't just get the VIPs involved. Get get everybody. Get everybody involved. Tell me why. Well, I think if if, if everybody is a stakeholder, then we want the the input from every stakeholder. You never know what idea is going to flow. Just kind of like what we said earlier, you know, the, the great decisions bubble from the bottom. And how, why why would we not want to listen to the people on the floor that is that are seeing the things that 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 we're really trying to fix? 
if you get everybody engaged, you have a really high likelihood that you can make a strong and wise decision and your people will feel heard. Feel heard. I love that. So I'm mean, back to this being a challenger, asking questions, inspiring belief, inspiring a can-do attitude. You know, if you ask questions and avoid providing all the answers, which is hard to do sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. and you want your team to give you answers that are supported by evidence. And you also want your whole team to participate. You'd love to get feedback from everybody, right? Yeah. They say that's a full, foolproof process for mm-hmm. a great and profitable debates. Good call. Yeah, it's not too bad. Well, um, I think one thing to talk about on the talent magnet side that we were kind of alluding to with uh, Magic Johnson is, uh, and it's funny, basketball is a great analogy for this. If you're looking for talent everywhere, whether it's California or New Jersey or somewhere over in Europe, um, you know, you want to plug people into their instinctive gifting where they can really excel, you know, put people somewhere where their talents are just naturally fit. And I'd like to get on a bit of a soapbox right now. You know, I think it's uh, time. University of Kentucky uh, has lost three games in Lexington for the first time since 1966. It's It's hurting. Uh, First time ever in the history of Rupp Arena. And Mm. I've got this idea. We're talking about just because you're a talent magnet, you can also be a a bit of a diminisher Mm -hmm. if you don't know how to really properly use that talent. And what I'm talking about here is if you go back to 2010, um, 2012, I apologize. 10 was a good year too. But you had Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis was on that team in 2012. And Mm -hmm. so – having a generational talent, Carl Anthony Towns in 2015 with that team that I went and saw in Indiana lose to Wisconsin. You know, oh. those teams, because uh, John Calipari is unmistakably a talent magnet, but True. those teams, you know, they were able to have kind of a generational big man. But you look at this year's squad, and we love them. I mean, we love the roster. Oh, yeah. But Reed. there's five guards, JP. Five, five guards. guards. Five are. guards. If you had three guards – and all three guards played equal time. How many minutes would they get? Uh, well, 27. 27. 27. 80 divided by three. So if you had DJ Wagner, Antonio Reeves, and Dillingham, leave off my yeah. favorite player of all time. Yeah. Take Reed Shepard out of the mix. Take Justin Edwards, please. Mm-hmm. If you take those two out of there and you get these three guards, they know their role. They're plugged in where they can excel. But I think when you have five guards, when you have that kind of a of a what do you call that? When it's an embarrassment of talents, <laughs> too many players. That yeah, and that. you can't develop chemistry. You know, uh-huh. a team has to have chemistry. Got three seven footers that should be playing at Western Kentucky University or Eastern yeah. Kentucky University. Yeah, I don't know if we have a rebounder within those three seven footers. And then you got like you know. Adu Thiero, you got some just freakish talents that are going to play in NBA All-Star games. Yeah. And that'll be good. We can put them up on the mural, you know, in the craft center. <laughs> yeah. but, but the point is that while we're picking on Cal right now, and I think it's fair to pick on Cal, um, in life, if we are so fortunate to be put into a situation like head ball coach at the University of Kentucky with all of the embarrassing riches that come with that, look at your shirt that you have on today and the shirt that's worn around all 120 counties and beyond. Absolutely. It takes more than a talent maker, mm-hmm. a, ta- a talent magnet. It takes somebody that can build a good team. So I'm glad we're yeah. off of that. But he's, and he's a bit of a tyrant right now. Oh, I you know. know. Take it out on me. I can take it. Well, sure, you can take yeah. it with your lifetime contracts. Sorry. Whew. I had to get that off my chest. Yeah, I would love to know what the players thought about yesterday's loss. 
know, because you saw so many different, uh, so many different scenarios of players. You know, the rotation. There was I couldn't understand the rotation at one point. It was you had different different players out there that were playing with different people and. No, we've digressed pretty badly, and yeah. I think you and I need to probably have a therapy session after this. I, I, I want to talk too. about if, you, as part of a multiplier, we invest in yeah. people, JP. We do. Okay? We love. And people. one thing, and you talked about this with your youth group stuff that you do. If you invest, you give ownership and accountability to folks. And the author said this during the presentation. She said, "Assign narrow responsibility and full ownership." And you know what she says that looks like, JP? What does that look like? In life, find places where you can give 51% of the vote and 100% of the responsibility for the results to somebody. Hmm. You know what that says to me? Trust, faith. If, I, I if I've got 49%, I'm going to be there for you, JP. I'm right there with you. And I believe but at the end of the day, you, you make the final decision. That's strong. That's powerful. Yeah. <clears throat> and as a narrow... It's a narrow responsibility. You're not handing them your laptop and saying, hey, here, you run the QuickBooks, you run the marketing, you run the payroll. <laughs> you know, you're going to take over, you're going to take over the lease. You're taking over the, the personal guarantee on the building. Right. So if this thing goes down in flames, it's your butt. That's all no, you. you know, you're giving somebody a narrow responsibility and full ownership. That it was worth flying out to, to Salt Lake City just for that one quote. <laughs> it blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. Where in and life I, can we do that with our children, with oh. with anybody we work work with? I mean, fifty one percent vote. Yeah, and and that's probably our just our, our our typical mind saying this impacts me, it affects me. I have to be in control, so I have to be the one that makes the the decision. But gosh, what a what a what a different uh, approach! But to say, hey, I'm heavily invested, but you're making the decision. There were uh, several folks at the annual meeting that I attended in Salt Lake City from Portugal because there are a lot of stores in Portugal and a couple in Spain now. Hmm. And I would like to, to uh, discuss an age-old Portuguese expression. Yeah, uh, let it out. It, a dog, because we're talking about responsibility. We're talking about assigning responsibility to an individual, giving them, yep. 41, giving them 51% of the vote. You're going to give them 49% of the support. You're going to let them be 100% responsible. And they know it's their responsibility because if you don't do that, here's what happens. This Portuguese par parable, a dog with two owners dies of hunger. I see mm -hmm. this in my house all the time. I look at the dog food bowl all of the time. Yep. And ultimately, I'm responsible for feeding the dogs, evidently, because nobody <laughs> else does. Because when it's everybody's responsibility, then what is nobody it? Does. Yeah, it's nobody's because everybody thinks the other person is taking care of it. My goodness, assign ownership. So the main, ex I'm, this is, I'm reading this for a second. The main uh, gist of this expression is uh, if you have more than one person who is taking care of something, it's usually a problem because the other will think the other is taking care of it. <laughs> it says there's an English saying for this, too many cooks spoil the broth. Have you heard that one before? I have. I've, I've heard that one. I don't like that as well. No, I like the, I, I think the, the dog dying catches more of, of the importance of assigning responsibility. When you don't assign responsibility to one single person, what you do is you assign neglect, neglect. to the project. There it is. To the task. You, you, just, you just, lay, just throw neglect all over it because no one has clear responsibility. That's right. 
I love that, man. If you don't yeah. take anything from this podcast episode, if, if you don't think this will absolutely positively help you think better when you look through the lens of how do I give somebody a narrow responsibility, give them 51% of the vote, and then give them 100% of the results, good or bad. I don't care if they make a mistake. We're going to talk about that on this, on this last part of this episode. You know, as long as we learn from our mistakes, it's okay yeah. to make mistakes, right? You got it. Well, this is so much fun. Um, the miniatures play so big that they give off the vibe that nobody else needs to contribute, JP. Yeah, it's their show. And I've, I'm sure we've all worked for that person where it's like, well, it doesn't matter what I think or how I would want to do this. I have to, I have to do it the way my boss wants it because that's the only way my boss accepts it. And, and that's uh that's an unfortunate situation to be. And I know me as a manager, I've tried to make sure that my approach with people below me, because I, I, I couldn't stand that. So I knew whenever I went to people and said, Hey, here's, here's what I want done. Now, if you know a better way to do it, feel free, do it that way. And, and let's, let's work together. What I really loved is as, as uh, she was wrapping down her talk, she actually addressed some people, well-meaning people mm-hmm. that, uh, we all have this and I'm certainly guilty of this, but there's certain parts of our personality where if we're not careful and pay attention, we can really drain people. And one of the things that makes my wife crazy is I am an idea fountain from the moment I wake up until the moment I go to bed. All I do is think of ideas about stuff that probably don't, I don't need to be thinking about. Are you, do you feel that way too sometimes? I mean, I've got my brain going in different directions always. Yes. It can confuse people. So you got to try to dial it back. Like we have somebody that works at, at one of our places. Um, I don't dare bring up any ideas around that person because I know it just, it's going to overwhelm them a little bit. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, I think that's the important part of being aware of watching the nonverbals because I know I can be a lot to take in. And so there are, you know, whenever I walk in, I'm watching nonverbals to learn whether or not I need to chill or whether I can just keep being me. <laughs> well, and, and on top of that, there was a, the second category, which is another one I am insanely guilty of. And I don't know what the cure for it is, but um, more cowbell maybe. But it's always <laughs> on, JP. If you're always on and you think you're yeah. being just completely helpful and you hope that your energy is contagious, and I do believe it is. But there are certain people who say, dude, you are killing me with all this oh, yeah. energy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's me. And that's like, a, that's what I was saying is, you know, I have to read the room because sometimes I have to look at myself and say, okay, you know, dial it down. You're, you're a 10 right now. They can only handle a three. So let's dial this thing down to a three. And then what I usually tell people is, Hey, I'm going to dial me down. At some point you're going to catch up with me though. We're going to, we're going to be going both at a high rate of speed, but I'll dial it down for you. I had a really interesting uh, experience at the owner's meeting I want to touch on real fast. Uh There was this new owner, and uh, this owner knew it all, was reinventing every wheel, was just, you know, because they just don't trust. They don't trust the system. They don't understand. They don't know what they don't know. They're infants in this thing. And I could just tell the guy was just completely off his rocker. He had no idea what he was doing. And so I tried to go up to him after this meeting later on, tried to encourage him and and, you know, talk some sense to him. I'm going to tell you right now, it was not happening. And I told him, I said, you know, the data is so amazing. We have so much good data that we can go look at benchmarks on. He said, those reports are awful. I make my own reports. Oh. And when he said that, I just quit talking to him. 
I just walked off. I just walked off. I didn't say goodbye. I didn't say, well, you're crazy. I just mm-hmm. literally walked off. Yeah. I mean, it's rare. But I knew I wouldn't get anywhere with this guy, and, and good luck to him. I'm going to tell you right now, if he makes it, he will be the exception, not the rule, because uh, you don't buy into a franchise to reinvent it. That's right. You know, they, they didn't sign you up for that. I can tell you that. Oh. But this always on thing, I think it can work, JP. If you're reading the room and you're paying attention, I think you just have to try to – you can keep your positivity and just take it down a little bit, kind of mm-hmm. move it around if you can tell that it's, it's overwhelming people. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go through a couple more of these real quick. The rescuer. This is one that uh, people where they step in and try to help. Mm-hmm. But it can make you feel like a, a cat or a dog with one of those cones on it, you know, around your neck. You can't keep do you, this without me. <laughs> keep you from being able to scratch your stitches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we don't really want to rescue people, you know. No. Now, I think pace setters are good. You know, yeah. you can get out there and lead by example. Um, but uh, and optimism. How can optimism be a problem? Yeah, I think that would be a great thing. You know what I think was interesting? What she said. She said, don't worry about your optimism. That's good. But acknowledge, recognize that a lot of people want to know the task is hard. Like if you're really over the top optimistic, you're always saying to yourself, what would this look like if it were easy? Mm -hmm. This is going to be easy. People don't necessarily want to hear that. You know, they they would much rather have the optimistic person say, look, I know this is tough. I know it's hard. So acknowledge, acknowledge that, you know, uh, we will make mistakes. This will not be simple. Uh, we're going to screw up some, Hey, it's okay. It may take a few times to get it right. It's okay. So I thought that was a really cool thing to take from it. I'm not a perfectionist. Do you ever think you're a perfectionist? No, no, I'm nowhere near. We do have perfectionists in our midst though. Well, we do. We need to be aware of that because those folks sometimes feel like they're never enough. Mm -hmm. They never, they never measure up. It's never going to be good enough. So we have to help those people know that what they're doing is good. And we do that through asking good questions, JP. Yeah. Good communication between us and them and help them feel comfortable with what they're seeing and, and where they're at and where we're going. Well, back to the, the decision maker versus the kind of the dictator, if you will. Um, she mentioned that you can play fewer chips. And so uh, if you go into a meeting and think you've got like five uh, imaginary poker chips, what I do is I take my class ring and I move it from my class ring finger to my ring finger, my wedding ring finger. Mm-hmm. And it feels awkward and it reminds me to try not to talk as much. You know, I mean, I try to be self-aware because if you can not talk as much, it allows other people, it creates a vacuum so other people can play their chips and innovate. And, and that's, that's kind of what we're talking here is what are the, what's the practice that we can play that will help people be, you know, what's the word I'm trying to say? We're just trying to get most out of people. So in order to get the most out of people, sometimes that means we've got to really, we got to diminish ourselves to let them maximize themselves. I feel like, I mean, I don't do a great job of it, but I try to do this on this podcast because, yeah. you know, I, I definitely play a lot more chips, you know, because you give me the, the freedom and the, the leeway to, come up with a lot of our topics, which yeah. I adore. Uh, but I also know that you have such good stuff to bring to the table too. So I have to remember to be quiet and let you play your chips. It's hard for me to do. <laughs> As we wrap this, don't you agree? I know. I think I, I don't feel that. I feel uh, eco. Gosh, I love you. <laughs> Cause I'm always worried that I get, you know, I get filibustering and, and rolling. You get me thinking. 
<laughs> well, I love that. This is good stuff. But but uh, but I do appreciate that you you allow me to sometimes bring stuff to the to the table that I am uh, passionate about. So just to wrap this up, just to bring this thing, because we can talk about this. We could do multiple episodes on this. We oh, didn't cover yeah. half of this. But mm-hmm. good leaders create a workspace that is safe, and they stretch people to do the best work they can and to be the best version of themselves. I, and that. That tickles my heart. Just that statement. That's one of the things I always talk to my kids about is, you know, be the best version of you that you could be. And just imagine if you are the best version of yourself today, just imagine what's going to happen 10 years from today. Just imagine the the oh, yeah. rewards that that you're going to be able to reap. And uh, so I, I love that statement. People, I'm going to, this is like my, the last thought here. People want to be successful. So we got to provide a safe place, uh, give them clear and narrow responsibilities, 51% of the vote, 100% of the responsibility, and watch our people feel empowered and watch your organization and team thrive. And JP, I'm going to tell you right now, we, in our walks of life, I know in my situation, my wife and I have just an amazing opportunity and a responsibility to be an amazing first boss, to be a uh, multiplier in the lives of the people that we touch. And I'm thankful for this podcast. I'm thankful for this topic. I'm thankful for this idea. And I hope that we can embrace these things and really bring out like magic did with his teammates, really bring out the magic of our teammates. And that is a wonderful goal. And this is a wonderful topic, especially if we're going to think better, if we're going to try to figure out how can I be in a position so that I can, I can get everybody that I'm working with or everybody that I am leading just to be the best that they can be. You're the best. You're the best. Adios, amigo. Testing. One, two, three. Testing. That's all you're going to say is testing. Testing.